Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting uh, type of trade day that we saw in the markets. It was nice to see some green on the screen for these soybeans. We know they've had an interesting roller coaster ride. And then to see the cattle, at least on the live cattle side, hang on to that green trade. And the feeders and the lean hogs, unfortunately, saw the negativity. It was mixed on the corn. And looking at the wheat complex, they saw some positive trade numbers as well. A lot of anticipation as we're going to look at crop conditions, a busy end of week reports coming our way, but a lot of outside market influence as well is setting in. And how is that set up for what we've seen to this point? We're going to get a whole talk about that and a whole lot more today as Mike Zuzolo joins us, with Global Commodity Analytics, and kind of start out there a nice turn that we saw in these soybeans, some double digit gains, and let's hope we can keep that momentum going. Yeah, I think. Thanks for having me back, Susan. I, I really think you framed it up well. I think we were able to, this past week or so, since we made last week's lows, um, really kind of get out of the macro-centered uh, uh, and, and macro-focused crude oil, dollar, bank crisis, recession, uh, bond craziness. You know, all those things have been kind of shelled for right now. And it's allowed the crude oil to jump in West Texas Intermediate, about 15% off the lows from last week. Hard red wheat now is 11% off the lows. Soft red, eight. Corn and beans, about 5% off the lows now. Heading into these uh, big numbers as far as export sales Thursday, and then obviously the the biggest issues, uh, the acreage and grain stocks. But backing up towards today's trade, we saw the soy meal market return and join forces with the hard red wheat to keep the market moving higher for a second day in a row. That was very welcome, very needed from a momentum standpoint. And, you know, we did have the exception of the front end corn. The corn market was weaker as we closed out the day. And I think this is, you know, maybe due to not only the soft red wheat only being up about a penny and most of the heavy lifting being done in the hard red wheat, uh, but also the issue with the corn bean spread. The, the, the trade and the funds in particular have really bought corn and sold beans very aggressively uh, up until these past two days uh, for the month of March. And uh, I think they're just unwinding positions and changing their mindset as we get ready for the acreage and, and grain stocks numbers and probably coming in and squaring up their positions at this point. Well, we've heard a lot of chatter just over the last couple of weeks of, of everybody's guesstimates, because that's really what they are at this point, to what we're going to see in this Friday's report. How much pressure do we think we're going to see Wednesday, Thursday into this Friday trade as folks wait for these numbers to come out? You know, I, I think this is a, a market where I, I think we've shelved the macro and the outside markets, but I don't think we've completely put them away by any stretch of the imagination, in, in my take anyway. Um, just to give you a for instance, you know, going into last week's close and, and the bounce, it didn't surprise me that the crude oil was able to bounce. Speculators had cut their bullish positions in crude oil to the lowest in more than 10 years. And the options markets were betting on a downturn that that put it at a four-year high as far as calls and puts and where they were at. And so we really were all on one side of the boat coming into uh, last week's trade. And so I think this is where that's going to show up again. I think it already did today as well when it comes to part of the soybean strength and soy meal strength. I really think had to do with the three-week high in the Brazilian currency. Uh, And we continue to see that crude oil market support the vegetable oil market. That was a missing link in in most of the month of March was the outside markets were not supporting vegetable oil and soybean oil in particular. So 
I think the reports are very, very important, obviously, but I would not discount the idea that the uh, the banking problems um, were not out of the woods of those yet. And so we're going to have to deal with both a lot of macro and micro uh, issues as far as price discovery. And I, I will leave you with this one last statistic um, that the money markets in the month of March, as of the end of last week, had put in about $286 billion of inflows, meaning banks had money pulled out of them. And, and, and the markets ran to money markets, short-term investments. Um, and so if the bank stock prices continue to go down and they keep falling in the equities markets, especially the S&P 500, which is heavy in the banking stocks and banking sectors, that means their balance sheets get bad again and they worsen again. And we could be right back to where we were a week or two ago. And so I don't think it's one of those markets where you really want to rest on your laurels. I think this is one of those still weather supply-driven markets that as you get upwards of the top end of the ranges, uh, get into overvalue territory, get your hedges in place for 2023. Well, you know, and it, it's been such an interesting outside market influence for these grains. I think livestock as well, especially when you saw everything taking place over the last couple of weeks with, with the banking situations. But there's just such an ebb and flow that just feels, as I had an old timer tell me, it just feels off right now when you look at the the big picture of of the markets the feds the 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 banking situation just something doesn't feel right out there no you really hit on something that i think is historic because i read a lot of economic history and and i do think there's some similarities with pre-world war one or pre-world war two but i would also say this time is different in the sense that we have the banking issues plus we have china being very weak at this point and we've got trade tensions with the number one and number two economies of the world. I thought it was a great statistic. Clay and I talked about today on the midday that the head of Maersk, which is the number two shipper in the world, uh, was interviewed late last week, and he said consumers in China are stunned. And the reason in part that is is because 70% of their savings is wrapped up in their real estate market. That's been the biggest problem in China, uh, along with the zero COVID policy. So this is not going to unwind itself quickly in terms of a recovery in demand. So when you have the United States and China both suffering from two different kind of financial diseases, uh, it's going to be really tough to navigate through this. And it really speaks to the commodity demand as being very questionable in 2023. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we've got a lot more to look at within this trade. We'll talk about crop conditions starting next Monday is when we'll start getting the official weekly updates coming from the USDA. But are we seeing some of that winter wheat starting to green up? We'll find out. Also, with some busy reports, end of week from a livestock perspective, there's a lot of influence on this trade. Stick around. A lot more is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzalo, Mike with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, I think we got a, we kind of left off on a kind of a negative note, but that's just kind of the, the feel of this trade as of late with these outside market influences and everything that's been going on. But there is some positives happening within the trade as well. And that includes the fact that 
We've got crop progress condition reports that'll start coming out next week, and there's some optimism, as there always is, with this winter wheat crop. Yeah, I mean, optimism in terms of the market it doesn't appreciate how bad the situation is west of the Mississippi River and in the hard red wheat country. And I would add to that the spring wheat country as well, Susan, and you had mentioned in the first segment about the the acreage and stocks report at the end of the week. I, I think the acreage report means a lot more, and the stocks for that matter mean a lot more this month uh, because of the weather that we're seeing uh, both ends of the uh, of the corn belt and the wheat belt um, whether you're talking about the northern part and the spring wheat belt and the corn belt uh, in minnesota dakotas uh, still dealing with a foot to three feet of snow on their fields right now and it's almost april one and then you look at the west side of uh, the corn belt nebraska and kansas you're talking about 72 to 77 percent short to very short uh, subsoil moisture both of those states only having one percent surplus subsoil moisture at this point and and the models continue to promote a drier bias and, and then you look at the southern part of the corn belt and the delta states you're wondering now if you're an, an analyst whether we're going to make the cotton acres that many of us thought we'd make uh, because of the wet and the, and the tornadic activity the storms have just been one after another in a training effect and so I think, as we said in the first part, there are supply and weather issues out there that I think because we have tight supplies globally uh, can really cause the market to react positively in price. We just aren't developing that 2004 type demand low uh, that we would want to uh, develop here after a big rally uh, that we saw last year. So considering that for so many, the winter keeps lingering, the fact that Monday, we start these official reports coming out in the afternoon from the USDA NAS. It kind of puts a little extra feel to spring coming in. But I'm hearing a lot of talk of prevent plant already, and it's even too early for planters to be in the field. Yes, I am too. And and that's one of those issues where um, we could probably wait another 10 days before we really start to get nervous. But we only have about 10 days because we know that when the wheat breaks the dormancy and the corn planters don't roll um, and, and there's not a lot of green uh, in those fields, uh, a lot of decisions are going to have to be made. And so I think that's where uh, when we saw in the crop conditions report yesterday for the states that a lot of people look at good to excellent conditions, that's fine. But I look more at the very poor, poor conditions because that's what's going to take you away from the trend line yields. And Kansas came in at 52%, very poor, poor. That was down two points from uh, last week. We're literally 20 points worse than we were last year at this time, Susan. So we really do have twice as bad a crop as we did last year at this time in, in all practicality, especially in certain parts of the state of Kansas. And while Oklahoma saw a big jump in improvement and, and reduced numbers for very poor and poor uh, Nebraska saw a three-point increase, and we've got 43% of the winter wheat in very poor poor conditions versus 26% a year ago. And, and so I still see wheat as the leader, and I still see the cattle market uh, being very heavily influenced by the, the weather and, and whether we turn hot and dry uh, and or whether we stay cooler and we, and we lose some of the gain potential in the late spring. Those are going to be big issues, I think. Well, let's talk about that cattle market because the live saw some positive trade. The feeders, on the other hand, took to the negative track on the day. Yeah, they did. And I think this is where I, I took a step back and I said to myself in both grains and livestock after Monday's rally in both, we just need to hold on to what we've gained now. And I think the market did a good job of holding the recent gains, especially in the cattle 
and in the feeders and especially in light of the very light and kind of directionless trade in the cattle market. And we do have those March feeders getting ready to go off the board. They're running uh, about even, maybe a plus a dollar versus the uh, cash index. The, the next contract, though, the April is running at 197, and you know that's going to be six plus dollars above the cash index, and so there is a there is a premium in the futures, and so with that kind of a premium, I think the trade is really looking for the cash market to develop and develop in a more sizable manner, more volume manner, and again today we just didn't get that based upon the report so far. So I thought that you know the hogs maybe they weren't as bright today as far as the trade price action. But by the same token, the April put in an inside day, didn't take out yesterday's lows. And so that didn't really hurt the charts anymore. And I think that's the most you can ask for with the hog complex right now. Lots of things that we talked about today, Mike. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Well, best place is to go to globalcomresearch.com. And, you know, on real radio, it's the only one I'm offering is a three-week trial, and that's a week extra than uh, what I normally offer. So please go and sign up for a free trial and get an extra week. It's a very, you know, valuable time period to do that. It's globalcomresearch.com, and it's globalcom with two M's. I'll tell you, folks, I, I enjoy reading the, the emails that come out, and especially when you talk a little bit more in-depth about what you're seeing, whether it's crude, it's the wheat market, it's the European Union, lots of great things that are in that newsletter. Thanks, Mike, for joining us this week. Remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.